Well, how y'all doing? Good? Like, I feel like when the music stops, it's like it's, we start a new portion of the service. You know, like there's something changes. I love having, how many of y'all like do stuff with me? You always have music on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have convinced yourself that you work better with music? Yeah, it's probably not true. Um, but I like to make myself think that way. Um, how many of you guys are, well, you don't have to raise your hand. Uh, but we started 21 days of prayer and fasting last week. And I know Meredith and I are, are doing that, and ho- I know I've talked to several of you who are also uh, participating, and uh, it's been such a, a cool thing just for a week. And I want to just real quickly recap that just a bit and, and mention um, uh, why we do what we do, why we're praying, why we're fasting, why we do it at the front end of the year, uh, because we know that, um, that, you know, prayer and fasting, it's a, fasting especially is a bit of a commitment, but I actually think there's, you know, there's things God's given us that are meant to be healthy disciplines for our lives that allow us to really live our life in its fullness. And, um, and so many times uh, we, we don't put those disciplines in our lives and, and we, we get frustrated when some of those things that God has asked us to do or the things that we know are in our heart are not happening. And, um, and I want to just take a second real quickly, not for a long time, and even if you're a week in and, and, and um, uh, you didn't know about it or you haven't gotten to jump in on it, uh, you can do a 14-day prayer and fasting. It's fine. You can do three. Like, it's really not. The 21 days is just, part of that comes from the idea that 21 days creates a habit. And we are in an uphill habit series uh, that will continue today. But I want to just mention three things and then kind of, because I want to make sure that we're all participating as best we can. And then I want to mention a couple of things we forgot to mention uh, last week. Uh, but the three, there are three reasons. Let me just give you three reasons. Number one is because we want to remind ourselves, because I do think we can forget this sometimes, that God is first. Right? So prayer and fasting is an opportunity for us to remind ourselves that God is first. I saw uh, Meredith and I were meeting, and, uh, and we saw Alyssa at Roots the other day. And I was telling her, you know, what, what is the crazy thing about when I'm fasting, how I realize uh, hunger, what that really feels like. Um, and then I have to try and do my best to remind myself of how much do I hunger for relationship with God? How much do I really desire that? And, and in some ways, fasting reminds me what hunger is like. Because I think we, grow, we are in a culture where hunger is not necessarily something we talk about much. And really is not, for many of us, something we experience. And, for me, and, and what I've found is the people who have experienced live life differently when they've moved on from that place in life. And, and so there's a really important thing for us to remind ourselves that God is first. The second thing is because we want to uh, make sure that we are focused. Uh, something about fasting and prayer that, that sharpens your mind uh, towards the things that really are important. And then the last thing is that we have a future, that we have a future. Um, as a church, we're praying together in unity. There is nothing, I'm telling you right now, there's absolutely nothing more important in the church than unity. Um, it is why uh, the enemy and the devil wants to destroy that every chance he gets. And it's why Paul p- talks about unity so often. In fact, he says, dwell in unity. Make every effort. Now, some of y'all have made most efforts, right? Make every effort to dwell in unity of the Spirit. Uh, the Bible says that God is putting us together brick by brick so that we could be a, a dwelling place for his spirit. Psalm says that how blessed is it when brothers dwell in unity. By the way, my brother is here in the house this morning. Um, he is a uh, Nashvillian now. He is uh, hanging out. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, I like it. Um, but uh, he's here. And, and we didn't always dwell in unity. But I'm telling you right now, my mom loved that verse. How beautiful it is 
when brothers dwell in unity. And I, I think it's important for us to understand, and I have two boys now, I know what that means. I know what it means. The Bible comes alive when you have children. Um, and the point really isn't to just simply remove things from our lives. It really isn't. Um, it's meant to replace things in our lives. And, and fasting, the point of this is to make sure that we're putting in place things that will build us up. Because we are not just trying to not eat. Like that, that's not healthy. Um, the, the goal and the desire and the hope is that we would come into a place where we are placing certain things into our life in a way they maybe should have been already. Um, and that's why fasting isn't really even necessarily just about food. Some of you are fasting television or social networking or some other things. And, um, and it's what you really want to make sure of in this process is that you're doing things that um, are replacing those things. And making sure that you're putting word and prayer in those areas so that you can see the fruit of what God wants to do. All right. I want to jump into our message. How many of you enjoyed last week, Uphill Habits? Hey, how many love our new place? It, like, it, it's, it's still a new place. Like, don't go, don't go oh, we had our celebration. Like, we la- that was awesome. No, it's still awesome. It's still great. Like, too many times we move on from God's provision. Like, it was just, well, like, we, you were supposed to do that. No, thank you, Jesus, that you, you got us a place with comfy chairs. You know what I'm saying? And a lobby. And, and a courtyard where kids can run and play. And uh, where you don't have to watch them because it's all locked in, you know? Like, that's how awesome is that? And, um, I, I, man, I just, I'm so thankful that God really showed up on this. And uh, if you don't know the story, we just, like, even within a couple of weeks of another church not being here, we found this place and talked to them. I want to kind of go backwards just a bit into last week. We, we kind of ran through it because of a, a, we had a few different things happening, include, including uh, the announcement that uh, Shane and Talisha are pregnant. Come on. And, uh, again... A big story behind that as well. I just, I, I, I think sometimes we, we get upset with people or frustrated with people or, or we don't celebrate people because we just don't always know their story. And it's important. It's why you get around the dinner table. It's why you go to dinner parties because uh, when you find out the story behind the result, you realize that there was more to it than you thought. And, uh, you know, even yesterday I was sitting at a, a red light and I wasn't moving. The car turned, the, or the light turned green. I didn't move because my son was in the back pouring ice cream on himself. And I was reaching back. And I realized, I thought in that moment, I thought, you know what? I probably honked at somebody in that situation that was trying to just get the ice cream off their kid. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we get frustrated and angry at people because they got some ice cream pouring out all over their stuff. And they're frustrated and they're discouraged and it's frozen them a bit. And instead of us coming alongside and going, hey, you need some help, we get mad. And uh, that has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. But I just, I've just, I've... I've said this phrase, there's a story behind everything, and I just want to make sure you understand that, that more often than not, if something happens, there's more, there's more to it than just it happened. And uh, I, we are in this series called Uphill Habits because uh, at the beginning of the year, more often than not, what we do is we set goals and we forget to set habits. And more important than goals is habits. And I found that if you can set habits, you don't even have to worry as much about the goals. Uh, but the goals are there to make sure that you're forming the right habits because your future should determine your present. Right? If you just live based upon what you hope but you don't actually change anything in what you are, then nothing will happen. Nothing will change. And, uh, and so, hello, Dallas Cowboys. Right? Like, um, hey, we're going to make it. But we'll do things the same way. Just keep clapping. We'll be all right. Just keep clapping, Jason. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Just keep clapping. And, um, 
And, and so I, I, yeah, it still hurts. And, um, and so we, we want to make sure we're setting habits or routines or train. You know, when you go in the beginning of the year, you sign up for a gym membership and you're talking to a trainer, one of the first things they ask you is how long are you willing to commit to this? It's not really what regimen you want to do. It's not really what workouts do you like the most. It's not really like what do you bench press. It's what, how long are you willing to commit to this? Because at the end of the day, it really isn't about the fact that one time you bench press something. It's really about the fact that you kept going back. Right? It's about the fact that you set a new routine. And for many of us, we don't think that's spiritual. It seems a little bit just like, well, that's just, you know, whatever. No, that is as spiritual as it gets that Jesus often withdrew to pray. That's spiritual, y'all. There's something about our routine and what we develop in our lives that allows us, to creates the framework for what God wants to speak and move in our lives. And so... One of the verses that we talked about last week was John uh, chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. I just want to read it as a uh, kind of just a way to set the tone for, and you'll probably hear it every week of the series because I know you'll come back every single week. John 15. Why are you laughing? (laughs) That's not a joke, babe. See, they laugh at stuff, and I don't even want them to laugh. I don't even know what. John 15. Remain. In the other translations, you'd hear the word abide, dwell, stay, live. Remain, abide, dwell, stay, or live in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. It's important to get the order right. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. I love that Jesus doesn't say some. I love that he doesn't go, you might. This is not stock trades. This is not like, it might work out for you. You should buy some Bitcoin because you never know. You know, like, he's saying, if you remain in me, you will. So he's not putting it on the result. He's putting it on the relationship. Too often we put everything about our faith on the result and rather than the relationship and we get frustrated when we don't have the result. Faith without works is dead. Now here's what he's saying. Get faith because you'll have works. If you trust God fully, you'll step into what he asks you to do fully. That's our, our biggest issue is not that we won't do stuff. It's that we won't trust him enough to do the stuff he's asked us to do. Right? So when we ask our children to do something and they go, oh, I don't know, because they're not quite sure we're going to come through on it. It's like when we discipline our child and we tell them, you, like, you're going to have to move out. <laughs> I don't care if you're four. <laughs> My gra- your, your grandparents are, have an amazing house. They got extra rooms. See ya, you know. And they know that it's not going to happen. And what changes? Nothing. Uh, we, we have to be people who remain. That is the source of everything. God set it up that way because you're created that way. You are created for relationship. And so every command he ever gives you is built upon relationship. And so many times when we as believers don't show that kind of relationship, people get frustrated because we're, they're, they're focused on the results. And what they need to see is people in relationship with the Lord. They need to see a people in relationship with God because that's what gives it credibility. So for us, we have uphill hopes. We need to have uphill habits. And one thing I need for you in this series is for you to have just a little bit of hope. I just need to have a little bit of hope. We can work with a little bit of hope. 
if you get a little bit of hope, if you get a little bit of confident expectation in you, then we can create some habits around that. We can create some patterns and routines and rhythms in life around that. And we can begin to see God speak into those places. Amen? All right, let me jump into um, uh, a couple things. I, I, I don't want to go backwards too much. I want to jump into this morning because I think it's important. Um, I will say this. Uh, for many of us, we, um, we, we go through these spiritual experiences, uh, whether it be a Sunday morning or a missions trip or uh, some moment in, in a morning one day when God speaks to your heart or whatever it is, and we have these experiences. And I want, I want to encourage you in a couple ways. One, seek those moments with God for sure. They're throughout the Bible. But understand those are experiences and they're moments. The, the, the experiences should awaken your heart, but, but habits should establish it. And so the habits you build should establish the heart that you have. So what God does in experiences is awaken you to a new thing so that you would begin to build your life around what that thing is. And so when, 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 God, when, when God shows up Moses in the burning bush, he wasn't going to show him a burning bush like every day of his life. He awoken Moses to a new thing. To, oh, yeah, do you remember? I'm a big God. Like I can do things you never expected. Now what I need you to do is order your life in a new way. I need you to begin to have a new vision for your world. And I need you to begin to live and walk in a new way. It's important for us to understand that habits actually matter to us. And so I want to read out of the, we read this last week, but I want to read out of the greatest commandment. The goat of all commandments. The greatest of all time commandments, all right? And uh, I want to make sure that we get this because I want to build the habits that we have around these things. Because if this is the greatest thing Jesus ever told us to do outside of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, both of those actually tie in really well together. Uh, if, if that's the greatest thing, then I want to make sure the habits I'm building are around the greatest thing. And I want to make sure that I'm remaining in him so that I might bear much fruit. Mark 12, uh, Jesus is talking to a few different people. And there's a, a few different things happening, and, and, and they're debating a couple different laws and statutes, and what is this, and what is that? Are you allowed to do this? Are you allowed to do that? What happens if this goes on? And, and they're kind of going back and forth, and Jesus is answering these questions well. I love that Jesus answered questions, right? We should be people who can answer some questions. And Mark 12, verse 28 says, One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, which command is the most important of all? That's a great question. It's a great question. What you, okay, these are all great, but what's the number one thing? What's like, if you were to give me one, what do I need to do? And Jesus says this. This is the most important. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That seems like a weird statement, but that was a statement the Jewish tradition, they would wake up and say that statement standing up, and they would go to bed laying down saying that statement. They would remind themselves in the morning that the Lord is God. And they'd take on their day, and then they would lay down and say it, and they would make sure that they sleep through knowing that God is in control even when they're asleep. And so that's a, that's a great, maybe you should wake up every morning and say, the Lord is God. And go to bed every night going, the Lord is God. So they started that phrase, and it would immediately trigger something for them. This was something they did on a regular basis. And then he said in verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. I love that he uses a singular and a plural in the same sentence. There is no greater command, that's singular, as these, that's plural, because he does not think those can be separated. 
The more I love God, the more I love people. The more I, that, that those, that I cannot separate those two things. So it's really one thing, but I start with love God and you will love people. And if you find someone that loves God really well but doesn't love people very well, we might need to talk about which God they're loving really well. All right? Because if you love God, the one who sent his one and only son to die for people, then you need to be a person who probably lays down some things for other people. Right? I remember talking to one of my mentors, and I said, man, I, we were talking about a, a, a controversial topic. And I said, man, I think I'm, a, I'm right in this. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was hoping he would tell me that you are right in this because he's one of the most, like, well-read guys I've ever met. And, uh, and he looks at me, and he goes, you know what love is? I go, yeah, we're not talking about that. And he said, love is doing things for someone else's benefit. And the Bible says that if, if, if you love someone, you, you will do what benefits them, not you. And I was like, this is not what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear, I'm right. He goes, no, 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 you should just drop that. Because if it's a conviction of theirs, let it be a conviction of theirs. Do not argue with that. Now, it wasn't going to cause them any danger or anything like that. But it was it, this idea that we love people well is one that w- means that we get, put their interest above our own. And if the world sees that from the church, I'm telling you, man, we will change the world. And, and let me just, I say that sometimes, and it sounds easy to say that no church is. I, I still believe the church is the most positive organization on the planet, still reaching more needs around the world than any other organization on the planet. It is, it is loving people, and they don't speak out against things sometimes. Most of the Christian world don't speak out. Why? Because they don't think that's the thing for them. They want to just serve people, love people, be there for people in the darkest of moments, and they do it without much fanfare. And uh, so I, I just want to make sure that you know that I believe in the church. And the reason this um, command, and we've got a few things to cover. Um, you know, when you really love a topic or love a thing, you begin to, uh, the hardest part is editing. It's not finding stuff to say. It's deciding what you shouldn't. And so we're going to do some of that today. But one of the things we mentioned this last week, um, he says, love the Lord your God. And the thing you, you and I have to understand, and, and just get ready for double negative. For some of you teachers, I apologize for this. Okay. Uh, but you can't not love. You, you just can't. You can't not love. Love is part of your life. Even when you're trying hard to not let it be. You can't not love. And so I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to break anything here because I believe what the statement means. Uh, but but you, you don't really choose to love. You choose what you love. Does that make sense? You're going to love something. It's not always the best thing. It's not always the right thing. But you are going to love something. Your primary objective and role and desire is to love the right thing, right? And so you must be people who love the right thing. And so, so this Christian life is not really a life of trying to start something new. It's about reforming what's already there. It's a desire to reform my thoughts and reform. So Romans 12, 2, what does he say? Think upon these things that you might transform your mind by changing the way, transform your life by changing the way you Think that there's a, there's a process of reformation happening in your life as you've chosen the right thing to love and pursue. Are you with me? And so for many of us, you, our issue is not do we love. Our issue is whether we're loving the right thing. Are we putting our affections toward the right thing? And this whole, this greatest commandment, this whole deal is built upon relationship. It's built upon love. Love isn't really a choice in the sense that will we do it. It's a choice in the sense of whether or not we will love the right things and what we will love. Because at the end of the day, what we're really pursuing is 
transformation on the inside of us. It's amazing that the greatest commandment is not a physical one. It's, a, it's very much an inward. It's inward out. So he starts by saying, in fact, in other gospels, he doesn't even mention strength. Now, that's quoting the Deuteronomy translation. But, but it just says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Now, all three of those things start where? Inside. Because God's primary goal for you is to be transformed from the inside out. So many times we are a culture that gets caught up in transforming what is out here instead of what is in here. And so we transform what's out here, and it works for a season, and it works for a time. But there is a point at which it does not fulfill the greatest needs of our life. And the greatest needs we have are inward, not outward. And so we must be transformed inwardly. And we read the quote last week from Dallas Willard who said uh, that, that, that the greatest key to everything God has for you, to walking into this great thing that God has desired for you, is doing the little things, the unseen things on a daily basis. And if we won't take care of the inward part of our life, we will find ourselves frustrated out here on a regular basis. I mean, we can, be, we can have all the stuff and be frustrated and discouraged and angry, right? And then we could also be people who don't have any of the stuff and be content, be joyful, be life-giving, be gracious, be thankful. You ever met that person? They just don't seem to have all the stuff that supposedly you're supposed to have to be happy. And yet, for some reason, they bring life into the situation and they bring hope into the situation because inwardly they've been transformed. Yeah. Amen? And so this, this idea of inward transformation is part of what the good news is about, and it's part of what habits do for us. It's part of what habits are, are what begin, routines are what begin to transform us because it is, it is what sets the tone for our lives. And when he talks about the heart, and this is the thing that I think many of us, we, we love the, I, how many of you guys use the heart emoji way too much? Anybody? 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you guys use heart for like stuff that does not require a heart, and you confuse people, right? They don't know, are, do you love me? I don't understand what, like, what's happening. And uh, some of you love the, and some of us think that's, that's what we think of. We think of the heart, and we think of love, and we think of uh, emotions, and that is absolutely part of this, but we have to understand when, when Jesus says, when, when God says this in Samuel, he says, God does not look at the outward appearance of a man, but he looks upon the heart. So if he's saying everything about a person out here and then he looks upon the heart, what he's actually saying is the heart represents everything in here just as the outward appearance represents everything out here. So that our idea of the heart has to expand. In fact, if you were to look at some of what uh, men would have talked about the heart, one commentator says it like this. Just as a healthy human heart is at the center of the body and absolutely essential for physical life and health, so too a healthy spiritual heart, intellect, emotion, and will is at the center of one's inner being and is vital for a healthy soul, serving as the fountain of all moral attitudes and actions. Our spiritual heart, thus, controls our actions. Our actions determine our habits, which in turn determine our character. When God measures the worth of a man's life, he puts the measuring tape around his heart, not around his head. Have you ever heard in a movie when someone says, it's maybe a romantic comedy, I've never seen one, uh, but I've heard things about them, and what I found out is that uh, when someone says something like, they'll, they'll say this, they'll say, I, I love you, I can't stop thinking 
about you. Isn't that interesting? We don't always think of love as a thought. We think of love as some emotional. But the heart in Jewish culture and the way they would have understood this is to say that all of the inner person, everything about the inner man. So our emotions, our will, and our thoughts. So some of you, I'm going to save you some marriage problems here. You ready? When your wife asks you, did you do that thing, do not say, I didn't think about it. Don't say that. Because, and you guys know this. Just think about when that has happened. Well, I didn't think about it. What do you immediately begin to think? They don't care. That's weird, isn't it? But it actually isn't because the heart doesn't just represent our emotional part of our lives. It, it, it represents the intellectual part of our lives as well. What do our thoughts and affections go towards? That's why in Proverbs 4 the writer says, guard your heart because out of it flow all the issues of life. Now, I don't actually love the issues translation. That's why I, I used a different one here. For it is the source of life. In other places it says it is the spring of life. Because every time I read issues of life, I think it just means all the bad things. You know what I mean? Guard your heart. And I think sometimes we think about guarding as though it means nobody can get in. Guard your heart. Don't let anybody in here. Not a soul. Don't let a person in here. That's not what guarding means. Guarding means make sure you let the right people in here. There is a difference. It is a discernment about should I let that person in or should I let that person in? Should I let that thought in or should I let that thought in? Should I let that emotion rule the day or should I let this emotion? Should I read this thing or read that thing? Should I consume that thing or should I consume that thing? It is a discernment about who should walk in the gate of your life. And so for many of us, we look at it as though uh, we, nobody gets in, but it's really more like an alarm. If you know the code, you can get in. If you don't, stay out. And for many of us, we don't discern or guard our heart in a way that lets the right thoughts into our world. We don't allow the right things into our world, and we begin to see some patterns develop in our life that actually point us in a way we never expected to go or never wanted to go. Discerning the right thoughts about your life. Discerning the right affections. What are you giving your affections to? What are you giving your life to? In fact, in other translations, you would heard this. You would see, uh, uh, guard your heart with all diligence. And diligence ultimately means intentional, but it also means consistently. It means regularly. Isn't that interesting? That sounds like a habit. Why do we do certain things? Why do we make sure we wake up? Some of us wake up, and there, there are things we do every morning. And it's a pattern and rhythm we've set in our life. And, and, and maybe it's, for many of us, I bet, it's grabbing our phone, right? After we've hit the snooze button, we grab our phone, and we check our social networks, or we check our emails, or we check, and we, we immediately set a tone in our life of what's most important for us. We immediately set a tone of work. Uh, we set a tone of other people's opinion. We set a tone of, well, do they like this, do they not? Has anyone messaged me? Has anyone texted me? Has anyone, like, we set a new tone in our life of what's going to be important for us in that day. It's amazing how that begins to direct our thoughts and who we are. It's amazing how we become defensive. It's amazing how we become even more insecure. And it's amazing how, it, it, but it's actually not that amazing. It's because we're setting certain tones in our life. And we're setting certain rhythms and habits in our life. It's, it, it, what I would tell you, and this is the habit I want to talk to you about with our heart. 
What are you giving your affections to? I would tell you this, that what you do first, what you do first does two things, and they kind of work together. It both reveals and shapes your heart. It both reveals. What you do first reveals what right now is most important to you. And I'm not, I'm not one to tell you that you have to read the Bible in the morning. You have to, but, but I do think it's nice. I do think it's good. I do think it's healthy. I do think it's good to show up on a Sunday morning to start your week. I do think there's a, a tone we set in our life on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis that allows us to walk into that thing in a new and different way. It's, it's interesting to me, though, when we, 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 when we, whatever we do first either reveals it, all right, it shows you, and take note of that. What do you do first every day? What's the first thought that hits your mind? But it also shapes it. So if you can understand what that first thing is revealing about your life, you can then go, you know what? No, that's, that's not how I want my life shaped or made or reformed. I, I, I want to change that. And so I'm going to begin to do new things first so that it will begin to shape my thoughts and my emotions and my affections. In other words, what we just talked about with the human heart, when we talk about the heart of people, when we talk about guarding your heart with all diligence, guarding your heart above everything else because out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it flow the spring of life. Out of it comes is the source of life. That is that you have to guard it so that you can have a fresh source. So you can have fresh springs. So you can so you can have new good healthy life issues. So you can have things in your life that are flowing out of a good place. That's why we pray and read our Bible. I know. Some of us go, wait, I know. I was hoping for a new thing. I was hoping for, like, something fresh, like some new kind of, like, fancy way of, like, knowing God's word. And, like, I just want something new. I'm just going to tell you, this will never, ever change. The greatest gifts God's ever given us is our ability to communicate with him and our ability to know him. It's the greatest gift, and we do that through prayer and the word. I can't give you anything fancy. I might give you a fancy thing to read it on. I might be, but there is nothing that replaces the Holy Spirit speaking to us in prayer and the Word of God. Nothing. I mean, in fact, the Holy Spirit's one of his primary jobs is to remind us of what Jesus said and to illuminate Jesus' words to us. That's one of his primary roles is to bring truth back into our world. So when we open up the Bible, it is not this idea that hopefully it just works today. It's, it's that we open a place where the Holy Spirit can begin to go, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Yes, you are. Yes, that is. Yes, God is good. Yes, he does love you. Yeah, he is for you. Yes, God did send his son. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you have hope regardless of what you're dealing with today. Yeah, joy works in all seasons and in all things. And if you plant your feet in him, you will bear fruit in every... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that you needed to hear today. Yeah, yeah, that was for you. Just as it was for them, it is for you. Just as it was for them. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm not just throwing that out. You need to understand, God is just as good. God is just as big. God is just as loving. God is just as strong as he's ever been. And the way we know him and the way we renew our heart and renew our affections and renew our life is to understand that he's already given us the greatest gift, and that is to know him in his word and in prayer. To seek him out. And I, I, I just, I want to dare you to wake up this week.
I love what Stuart said. He didn't even know he was doing this. God's going to give you something to do every day. And it's not going to be something massive. It's going to be the little thing to do daily. I did not tell him to say that. But maybe for some of us, the big thing is not like doing some earth-shattering thing. It's just doing what we know to do, not because it's a burden, but because God loves us enough to provide a place for us to know him, to remain in him, that we might bear much fruit, that he is, come on now, he is the vine. We are the branches, meaning he's responsible to give me life. And as long as I stay attached to him, that is exactly what he will do. So my question to you today is, what will you do first? And I know for some of you schedules, and so don't get too bent out of shape on this. I, my hope, my desire is that what, what are you allowing to shape your thoughts? What are you allowing to, to take top spot, take priority in your world? What are you allowing to be the first thing? Just, you know, maybe use a real alarm clock. Put your phone in a drawer in the kitchen so that when you wake up, you can't touch it. You know what I'm saying? Have a real Bible next to your bed. It's weird, man, how sometimes that just helps. Shut off all the distractions. And at the very least, look at your Bible. Even if you don't own it, open it. Just look at it and go, man, he said some stuff to me. God actually cared enough to write some things down because he did think about it, because he did care about it, because he does actually care that I know what steps I should take. And he has given me the Holy Spirit in me that I might walk according to his good and pleasing and perfect will. It is when I begin to walk in those things. Man, I'm telling you, it is, it is the disciplines of our lives, the routine of our life, the rhythm of our life that will begin to shape our world. What will you do first? What will you give first? What will you allow to be first? What will you make first? Make him the thing. Make him the one. Make him, and I'm telling you right now, for some of you guys who are married, I'm telling you right now, your spouse will appreciate that you are not the source of all truth. you Hear me, your, your spouse will appreciate that you are not the, the only one keeping you all secure. Because you ain't that good at it all the time. Like we have someone who has laid a firm foundation and upon this rock we can build a house that will never fall. He doesn't tell us how it has to look. We can build it. Hey, we can add three rooms if we want. As long as we build it on him, we good. Why don't you bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you are with us and you're for us. And for some of us, the greatest challenge is not all the new stuff, all the, the new things that people say and all the new words people give and all the new books that are written. Some of us, the biggest challenge is taking what is already present and what is already there and what has already been giving, given and making it first and priority in our life. God, I believe in all the other things. I believe that, that people are doing some great stuff. But God, I pray that we become a people that are so desperate and hungry and thirsty for your righteousness, for your grace, for your truth, for your life. God, that we go to the source and that we would guard our hearts, that we'd be diligent and discerning about what we're allowing to determine our thoughts. 
The Holy Spirit, you would, you would bring to light those areas of our life that we are allowing to determine things for us that should not be determining things for us. We're allowing to destroy things in our life, but that's not your desire. That's not your hope. That's not your plan. God, you gave us what you gave us so that we might have life and life to the full, that we might remain in you and bear much fruit. And God, so I pray as we thinketh in our heart, we would become. And so I pray that today, as, as unspiritual as the word habit might sound, God, I pray that we would make you our routine, that we would make you our rhythm. We would make you our discipline. We would make you because a habit at some point becomes effortless. A habit at some point becomes just what we live on. And for some of us, we just, we just got to change some habits that sounds easier than it is. But God, I pray that we would be people empowered by your Holy Spirit who would begin to put you first and walk in the good news of Jesus, walk in the good things of God, that we would be strong in them. Today, I just want to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment because we just simply believe in confession. We believe in doing something with our life to, to resonate with what we've decided in our heart. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It might take you a little courage. It might take you a little boldness. But I just want to ask you this question, and this is for everyone. What are you doing first? What are you thinking first? Where has the enemy put some things in your mind that just never let go? You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed sleep thinking about it. And God's hoping for you that you'd stand up and go, the Lord is God. And you'd go to bed saying, the Lord is God. The one true God. That is who he is. And I love him. Will you put God first today? And watch as all these things are added to your life. Worry's gone. And there's a dependence and a trust in him. Is that you this morning? I'm just going to ask you real quickly right now. I'm going to pray with you. If that's you today, you go, I, I just want to make God first. I don't just want to make God first. I will make him first because I believe and I trust him. If that's you right now, would you just raise your hand? Maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a while. Come on all across the place. Just raise your hand high. I'm going to pray with you. Come on, be bold in it. God's going to work in your world. I promise you, he is. But make him first. He didn't give the word to just beat us up. He gave the word to strengthen us, to give us life and hope. It is bread that we can eat, that we can walk in life nourished and strong and healthy. When the Holy Spirit's going to empower you, God, we worship you. Man, that's awesome. You put your hand down. Let me pray. God, I thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, right now, in every life, man, so many people raising their hand. I can't imagine what you are thinking right now. How awesome it is to see your children come back to you. How awesome it is to see people step into you for the very first time. And God, we, we repent of those places we have messed up. We repent of those places we have sinned. We repent of those places that we have stepped away from your good news. But God, we're back. And it's because of your grace we can say that. It's because of your good news towards us. Because of your unconditional love towards us, we can say, I'm back. I'm here. I'm home. And God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you first. I'm going to watch as you do things, not just in me, but through me, in my family, in my neighborhood, my workplace. I'm going to walk with a different joy. Even if my circumstances don't change, I'm going to walk with a new conviction of what life looks like because I'm hearing your voice and I'm speaking to you. 
because you want to know me. We trust you, Jesus. We trust that you paid the price for us, that it's done, it's finished. There's nothing I can add to it, nothing I can take away. No good thing I can do will make your price uh, paid any better. God, you've paid every price. You've done everything there is to do. And so we walk in your resurrection life in, as new creations created in Christ for good works that you plan for us. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Yeah, okay, we're going to sing. We got to sing. You stand up. Awesome. Would you give God a shout? Let's sing together.